Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. everybody. Welcome to South Valley. This is an awesome opportunity. As you are watching right now, you have the opportunity to bring the Holy Spirit into your home, spend time with Him, raise your voices, give Him praise, and allow God to work in your life. I just challenge you, wherever you are, to raise your voice and to let everybody in your neighborhood know that you are worshiping and praising God and raising a hallelujah with every breath you take and every note that comes out of your mouth, Lord. Let's praise Him this morning. Come on, join along. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Come on.
in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises doesn't get your blood pumping this morning, I don't know what will. We want to continue to worship the Lord. He is a God of greatness, a God of goodness, a God worthy of praise.
sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I'm going to sing of your goodness, oh God. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Oh, I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, my Lord. Oh, I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship. You are we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are, and voice proclaim truth. You are we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are.
matter what you're facing, whatever you are facing this morning, whatever is wrapping you up and getting in the way of you and your time with God, I want you to grab a hold of that and I want you to give it up to the Lord because he will make a way. He is a miracle worker. There is no reason for anything other than your time to hear the voice of God, to be present in your life, to change you from the inside out. So as you tune into this song right here, I want you to grab a hold of these words. With everything in you, I want you to shout it out through the walls of your home, wherever you're meeting, and tell the Lord, I believe you are the way maker. Come on. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Amen. Lord, we believe that with our whole heart, that no matter what we face, we need to hold on to the solid foundation of who you are. You parted seas. You created the universe. You breathed life out of dust. You are a way maker in all things. I pray this morning that you would make a way. Not necessarily a way that pleases each and every one of us, but a way that ignites us to grab hold of the God of the universe, the God who created us with a purpose and a plan so that we could be used by you to be your hands and feet to a hurting world, to draw people to the light of Jesus Christ, to change lives through your provision, through your son. Let us proclaim where we are today that you are the way maker, you are the miracle worker, you are the light in the darkness. We call upon your name and pray that you would move this morning and speak to each and every one of us. We welcome you here. In your name we pray, amen. Hello, South Valley family. I hope that you're all doing well, staying safe. Sure do miss seeing you. Just a few things I want to talk about this morning. First of all, you may or may not know that through the month of July, we've decided to pause our live Sunday morning services Reasons for that was uh, the information that we've gathered over the last month as we've been meeting in person. We're going to take some time to analyze that and, and see how we can uh, improve on that when we begin regathering again. But also, uh, as many of you know, uh, the recent spike in the number of uh, COVID cases just in Kings County alone, we just felt it was prudent. Uh, to pause services uh, temporarily. We'll evaluate uh, at the end of July and, and see how things go, and we'll begin the reopening process again. I hope you'll just be patient with us. We're learning as we go. Uh, keep us in your prayers because things change so often, and uh, we want to do what is uh, best for our church family to keep you safe and make sure that we're serving our community as best we can. Also want to mention to you, many of you know who Pastor Willie is. Uh, Willie Stevens has been serving on our staff for a number of years, and as of June 30th, 
He has stepped down uh, from his role here at South Valley. He and his wife, Myrna, will continue uh, to serve here at South Valley. But he's uh, stepped down, and we wish him well. If you know him, you're going to want to send him a note of encouragement. Thank him for the years of service that he gave to his Lord Jesus Christ right here at South Valley. We, we love him, and we're so glad that he's going to still be around. But you'll want to make sure that you contact him and let him know how much you appreciate his years of service. Also, as we continue to minister, we want you to know even though we're pausing the live services, we of course are still going to have all of the online uh, services available, the Bible studies, the children's ministries, on all of our social media platforms, so you'll be able to continue with us there and hope that you, you do that. Uh, we, we want you to be a part of that. Uh, the church building is closed, but the church is not closed. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We may be uh, closing the doors on this facility, but the gospel continues to penetrate. You are the hands and feet of Jesus, and so make sure that you're available to him. He's not limited by what's going on in our world today. Our Lord is moving in a wonderful way. Lots of hearts are going to be changed because of this. So be encouraged and make sure you continue to faithfully serve him. We also know that many of you are faithful in your giving. We're so grateful for that and just trust through uh, your generosity. The ministries of South Valley will continue. Our missions around the world will continue. So much is still going on. Uh, there's a number of ways you can give. You're familiar with that. And so God bless you. I hope that the Lord will use you in a mighty way and just encourage all of your hearts, especially during this very strange day in which we live. Before I finish, I just want to ask, would you join me in a prayer for Willie and Myrna as they start a new chapter in their lives? And let's just go to the Lord right now. Father God, we thank you for Willie and Myrna, for their service here at South Valley. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your rich blessing is going to be on them uh, as he steps down from the staff, but he doesn't step down from serving his Lord. Bless him, Lord. Use him. May he impact many lives uh, as he continues to serve you. We thank you for them. We thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We pray, Lord, for our leaders that you'll give, uh, our state leaders, that you'll give them wisdom that, Father God, you would bring an end to this uh, pandemic. We leave it in your hands. We're trusting you, God, no matter what. You're sovereign. You're on the throne. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Take care. Well, thank you, John, and the worship team this morning. And welcome again to our service. Uh, you heard Frank give an update about Willie, and a huge thank you to Willie. Uh, uh, Willie has played various roles in South Valley since he's been here. January 2010 was when he began to attend, and then he came on staff, and uh, it's just been a delight to be around Willie, always with joy, always with encouragement, and we're gracious for all of his service and thankful. And so, uh, Willie staying safe as COVID hits, so it might be a few more months yet until you can see him in person, but you can send a card or a note either direct to him or via the church office, and we'll make sure that he gets it. 
And uh, a few other changes just to quickly notify. Uh, we've been running with youth interns, and uh, Dorian Ecker, who is one of those youth interns, steps away uh, at the end of July or so as he heads off to university and college. And we're very grateful for Dorian and all that the work that he has done as a youth intern leading in ministry. And alongside him was Ali Calhoun, and Ali has, has now taken on our role as the new youth pastor from July 1st, and uh, on a part-time basis, as she keeps doing some studying, and we're grateful for Ali going to take the lead now of youth uh, for the next year or so. So, uh, keep praying for our youth, keep praying for Ali, and uh, obviously keep praying for all the staff at these strange times of ministry. And um, you heard from Frank how we're pausing are in-person services. And let me be very clear, the only things that South Valley are endorsing as part of South Valley is our online services on the various platforms. Our Celebrate Recovery group uh, meets on a Friday evening, and then gatherings of no greater than 10 people in people's homes, small groups, prayer groups, Bible study groups, nothing else. No other gatherings, no other services are part of South Valley Community Church. And uh, just this week, after we shared the news about pulling back from our in-person services, uh, we got an email from a South Valley member, and I think she embodies the heart and the values that we as South Valley people and as pastors are trying to practice that reflects the heart of Christ. Uh, let me read an excerpt from her email. Uh, she writes, as a healthcare provider who's been on the front lines of this pandemic, I've seen firsthand how awful COVID is. I'm deeply appreciative of the care that you all have put into protecting South Valley members and therefore the community. I'm so proud to be a part of South Valley. The decision to pause in-person services shows true stewardship, leadership, and compassion. Thank you. And it's just the heartbeat that we want to be about, is loving our neighbor and being good stewards of the testimony of Christ to a community that's watching us and making sure that we step forward with love and care and wisdom and not be reckless or foolish or seem to be, it's got to be our way. And so, as we pause, and, and none of us wanted to pause, but as we pause uh, the in-person services, pray for us as the regathering task team keeps thinking and praying and looking to the months ahead, uh, and we'll keep you posted. The best way to get information about the church is online Sunday morning, and you'll hear all the relevant announcements from Marcus or from Frank or from myself. So, hang with us. And obviously, yesterday was July the 4th, so uh, I hope you had a great treason day. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Bible's quite clear on that, folks, okay, uh, as a Brit, you know, but uh, hey, I know it's a bit different July the 4th, but I still hope you had a safe and a wise time with your family and enjoyed some celebrations. Now, Mastering the Art of Living, Part 4. There's a phrase that people in recovery learn. It, it's a principle of our recovery ministry, Celebrate Recovery, but actually it's a phrase that's so important for everyone's life. It's essential to grasp 
if you want wholeness and if you want to learn to master the art of living. Here's a phrase. We can't control people, places, or things. That's a hard principle to learn. When our youngest boy, Luke, was two years old, only two, he would be uh, holding a, a sippy cup full of his favorite drink, and he'd be sitting in his buggy drinking it as I stood watching the nearby football game, soccer game, okay, in Scotland. And it's a lovely Saturday afternoon. Well, Scotland gets five of them a year. So, we, I've gone to walk in the park, and Luke's with me, and I'm watching my local soccer team, and 10 minutes into the game, I'm engrossed by what's happening, but Luke is getting a bit bored, and so he takes the sippy cup, and he throws it out of his buggy, and I retrieve it and gently hand it back to him. But three minutes later, he throws it back out again, and I return it, and again, uh, hey, that's fun, little one, and he laughs, and he giggles, and then he throws it back again, and this time, I don't retrieve it. And then he starts jumping up and down in his buggy, starts screaming, and you know what happens. Dad runs to, re to retrieve the doggone sippy cup, and it quiets him down. I get to watch the soccer game, and, and you know what happens again and again and again and again. He keeps throwing it out, and I keep retrieving it. And Lucas figured out that he is now the master, and I, the dad, I'm the servant. And whenever Luke throws his cup away, dad will go and get it because dad wants to stay watching the game and he wants me to sit in my buggy while he's doing it and he'll do anything I ask him to do to make that happen. Luke is in control. And then Luke reaches the age of four or five and instead of throwing away his sippy cup, he asks for candy. He asks for candy every time I want to watch the game. And he knows because he's figured it out. He can control me. Dad will give me candy so he can keep watching his game on a Saturday afternoon. So I'm going to keep asking. And then he reaches 14 or 15 or 16. And instead of a sippy cup and instead of candy, he asks for money. And I give him it. So he gets out of my way so I can watch my beloved soccer game. You see, as we grow up, we very quickly view life as us controlling people, places, and things. And the more I can control them, the better my life can be. Let's jump from being three or four to being 30 or 40. And now, it's not controlling dad on a Saturday afternoon and getting as much candy as you can, but it's now controlling your friends so that they do what you want. And it's now controlling your spouse so that everything is just as you like it. And it's now controlling your employees or your colleagues so that everything is done your way. 
And it's now controlling your family so that you get what you want. And it's now controlling your pastors so the church is just how you want it to be. We live in a society where people believe that success or the best life comes through our ability to control others. Subtly. Like, not like a dictator or a tyrant. God forbid, of course, we're not like that. But really, we are like that. We believe that our best interests are served when others do what we want them to do. But the reality is, you can't control people, places, or things. How, how often have you spoken the phrase, I wish they would just stop it, or this, this can't be happening to me, or I tried to tell you. This is the default sense of injustice. When, when something comes across your path that you cannot control and it spoils life as you know it, we're quick to blame others. And sometimes we'll even blame God. But beyond the surface blaming, we take a mental note not to allow that to happen again. And we think through who or what we now have to control to get back what we want. But to master the art of living, you need to come to recognize that we cannot control people, places, or things. To master life, we have to go the way of the master of life. And Jesus is so incredible in this matter. I mean, can you think of any other person who has walked the dirt of this planet who had more ability to control people than Jesus? Think about it. Like one day, he's crossing the lake on a boat, and a storm rolls in, and he stands up and he says, waves, be still, and the sea becomes still. He can control nature. Jesus, the master of life, had the ability to control anyone and everyone. He could control people, places, and things but he never did. Even when they wrongly accused him, even when they sentenced him to death on a cross, he could have controlled them. He could have made them do the right thing, but he never did. You see, there's something right at the core here of who God is. There's something here that you and I must emulate if we are to master the art of living. God doesn't buy into the I can control others way of living. This is the great meta-narrative, the great overarching story of time and history. From the Garden of Eden, Satan has been challenging God that 
people will only follow God if God controls them and forces them to follow Him. That's the way of Satan. That's the way of evil. And God challenges Satan to say, people will follow me, not because I control them and force them, but because they choose. They'll follow me out of love. And people made in the image of God need to realize that we best live out life when we reflect God, and we leave the controlling urge at the cross, and we take up the surrender badge, because surrendering leads to freedom. Because if we continue to hold out for control and manipulation, then we are not free because we are bound by what other people won't do. Okay, but let's keep moving, okay? Mastering the art of learning, or sorry, mastering the art of living <laughs> is learning what you cannot control and then learning what you must control. And we're back now in the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus, who watched and learned and then believed and wrote this short book at the end of the New Testament to help us live authentic, mastering the art of living kind of lives. Listen to James chapter 3, verses 2 to 12. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what they say, they are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Whoa. There are some things you can't control, and then there's something you're meant to control. And here's a summary of what James is teaching. Hold your tongue. 
it can destroy not only others, but yourself. This is a real sharp, pointed, searing passage from James. Let me take a quick time out here, okay? Maybe you're new to our church online, or maybe you're exploring faith and thinking through questions of life. We as Christians believe that God's salvation offers you forgiveness of sins, and it's an invitation to know heaven, not hell, in the afterlife when we die. But we believe also that to see God's salvation as only that is to see one slice of a whole pie. God is not only wanting to forgive your sins so that you can get to heaven, but His salvation is about becoming new. It's about you becoming alive. It's about becoming the person that Christ died for you to become. You becoming that person by dying to your old ways and starting to follow the way of Jesus in this new life. So, we're not so much into a moment's decision. We're very much into the everyday commitment to follow the way of Jesus because it's not about when you die it's also about how you live. So, James looks around, and he sees a lot of people eating one slice of the pie and forgetting the whole pie. And he writes and he says, with your lips on Sunday in church, you praise God for the forgiveness that you have, but on Monday, you shout at your kids, you swear with your colleagues, you lie to your friends, you boast and gossip. He says in verse 10, out of the same mouth comes praises and curses. Something is not right with this picture. With your lips, you worship God and you say amen to the pastor. But the next thing out of your lips is to criticize the pastor. One source, but two productions. Double talk. Let's peel this passage back to its core. Excuse my best literal interpretation of verse 6. James says, an uncontrolled tongue will cause the course of your life to be a living hell. James chapter 3, verse 6. Mastering the art of living, part 4. Get control of your tongue, or it will lead you to ruin. Your tongue has the power to determine the direction you go. Or let me put it another way. A New Testament theologian puts it like this. If you control what you say, you can control the rest of what you do. I have a brilliant dentist and a really wonderful hygienist. It's truly a joy to visit them. They are intelligent, 
They are educated. They are true professionals. They are interesting to listen to with interesting stories that are full and quite remarkable what's happened in their lives. But despite all of their brains and intellect, they seem to fail to often notice the most obvious of things. They always invite me to lie back, get comfortable, and then they place a suction tube in my mouth. And then with at least two utensils, they enter and they begin to clean or to fix. So now I have three things in my mouth and some fingers. And at that point, why is it that they always want to talk to you and expect you to talk back to them? Hello? It's kind of hard to speak with fingers and utensils in your mouth. <laughs> I now go to the dentist, and after everything is out of my mouth, I take them out for sushi, and we talk easier. <laughs> it's a day out, you know. But I've learned that when the dentist is looking into your mouth, he or she is not only looking for cavities, he or she are looking for signs in your mouth of things not right. Your mouth can be the first place that some major problems of your health are noticed. Hello! James is saying exactly the same. James invites you to open your mouth and say, ah, and see how well you're mastering the art of living. Your mouth will give it away. The health of your soul is determined by what you say or don't say. You see, James remembers the teaching of Jesus up that mountain. He maybe didn't at that time believe, but he was listening. And Jesus turned to his followers on the Sermon on the Mount and said, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. This was the summary to his teachings that the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. It's, it's interesting to do research and discover that, don't get critical of me, women say more words a day than men. And some would even say that women say 20,000 words, and men only 7,000 words. And others suggest women say 30,000 words, and men 15,000 words. Whatever the accurate figure, it seems that the evidence says women say more than men. In fact, I found this story about a husband who was looking through the newspaper, and he came upon a study about this very topic, and excited to prove to his wife that he had been right all along when he accused her of talking too much, he showed her the study results. Look, he says, men use about 15,000 words per day, but women use 30,000 words. And the wife thought for a moment, and then turned to her husband and said, it's because we have to repeat everything we say. To which the husband replied, what? <laughs> See, there's no audience here to laugh. I thought that was quite funny, okay? The fact is important in marriage. 
Think about it. The husband, you come home from work and you've used up 14,275 of your 15,000 words. So he sits down in front of the TV, and for the next three hours, he says nothing before going to bed. His wife, she has only used up 12,000 words through the day, so she's still got another 19,000 or 18,000 words to say, and all the husband's going to do is grunt. But joking apart, James is punching all of us. Maybe even James himself, if you look at chapter 3, verse 2, James is maybe including himself in this here. This fleshly, movable, two-ounce muscular organ attached to the floor of your mouth can lead you to mastering life or can lead you to destroying your life as well as the life of others. Notice his use of different analogies. Look at verses 3 and 4. He talks about how there's a bit that steers a horse, a half ton of raw power, but with a bridle, a bit in its mouth, a lightweight woman can, can make that horse dance. Or take the supercarrier, the USS Gerald Ford, nuclear-powered, two nuclear reactors all of its own. It's over 1,100 feet long. It's over 100,000 tons. It's got 25 decks. It can hold 30 knots. It's amazing. But it's steered by a tiny rudder. This is true not only for horses and for ships, but it's true for your life and my life. Look at verse 5. Think of a forest fire. It all starts by a small spark, but what destruction. And, and vividly, talking about horses or animals, talking about large ships, talking about fires, vividly, James paints the picture. Your tongue has the power to direct your life. In fact, he goes further. There's more bad news. Jesus talks about what's inside that comes out through our tongues, and James says, what we say goes inside and corrupts us. That gossip you listen to or share in, that dirty joke you tell, that lie that you exaggerate over, that half-truth you pass on, that false flattery, that induendo, not harmless. The tongue corrupts the whole body. Even more, verse 8, it's like the deadliest of poisons. The deadliest poisons are tasteless and odorless. Its work is done before the victim can react, like criticism, like slander. I mean, this passage in James is so intense. I wonder if James remembers words that maybe he said about Jesus when he didn't believe in Him, and the Holy Spirit has so changed his heart. And maybe he's trying to urgently, passionately, trying to get you and me to see the incredible force to destroy your life that sits in your mouth and that we too easily let rip. No wonder, as we get near the end, in this little book of James alone, he tells us, chapter 1, verse 19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Or in chapter 1, verse 26, anyone who thinks himself 
religious and doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue is deceiving himself. Or chapter 4, verse 11, he urges us, do not slander anyone. Or chapter 4, verse 16, do not boast. Or no wonder he calls us in chapter 5, verse 9, uh, not to grumble against each other. Or in chapter uh, 5, verse 12, don't swear by heaven or by earth. If, If you want to speak, confess your sins to each other and pray. Can you feel James's anguish and his passionate plea? Like the song I, I, I used to sing in children's church, watch your lips, watch your lips, what they say. There's a Father up above looking down in tender love. Watch your lips, watch your lips, what they say. A pastor from Old Souls Church in London that I used to know gives this advice. Before you say anything, ask three questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Hmm. But then check out verse 10 as we finish. If you've been with us in this series, we've talked about in chapter 1, the doubter can't make up his mind. One day going with God, the next day going himself, blown around by the wind. Then chapter 2, the discriminator. One day he values people determined by faith, and then the next day he judges people determined by skin values. And then last week, the, the person who talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk, faith but no works, double-souled. James is again stressing the need to be one. How can your tongue be used to praise God and then curse men made in God's image? In mastering the art of living, Christ followers should have one language, one type of talking, because we have one source. Followers of Christ don't do double James stabs us all, and he guides us to get a hold of our tongues and be careful. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for the times last week we used our tongue to destroy or to criticize or to slander or to lie. Forgive us that this same tongue that earlier this morning we sang words of worship with, we've used it last week and other weeks to curse, to swear, to certainly not follow Jesus. Forgive us. And we ask, knowing that this is a big ask, that in this coming month of July, May our tongues be used for good and not for evil, to build up and not tear down, to reflect Christ and not to reflect our own selfish desires. Come and help us to speak wisely and well. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. See you all next week for Mastering the Art of Living, part five. God bless you.